0: It's the Grim Tidings Podcast, Grim Panel, Spiffbow 2016, featuring Dirk Ashton, Phil Tucker, Jonathan French, and Laura M. Hughes. It's the Grim Tidings Podcast, Grim Panel, Spiffbo 2016. I'm your host, Rob Matheny.
1: And I'm Philip Overby.
0: And we're back with yet another Grim Panel episode. We've done, oh, just a handful of these in the past, including our panel with Zero One Publishing, our Keeping It Indie panel, as well as our Extreme Horror panel. You'll find a... List of all those episodes at our show archive uh, for your listening pleasure at TheGrimTidingsPodcast.com if you wanted to swing by there and check out all the past episodes. But, Philip, I'm personally excited about today's episode because we not only get to feature some very cool authors writing some incredible fantasy fiction, but we have a reviewer-slash-blogger on the show as well. And today we're going to highlight Spiffbo 2016. That's S-P-F-B-O. And you may be asking yourself, hey, just what the hell is a Spiffbo? And it's the self publishing fantasy blog off that's what it is an annual contest presented to highlight the best self-published fantasy fiction as voted on by a group of some of the top fantasy blogs around and today we have the top three authors of spiffbo 2016 in partnership with Mark Lawrence who's hosted the contest two years now and going on three today we'll be highlighting each of the novels that beat out the pack of 300 other entries talk a bit about self-publishing and by the end hopefully you'll drop by Amazon to pick up each of these awesome books as well as keep an eye out for spiffbo 2017 which is is currently underway and you can keep tabs on that at mark lawrence's website at mark first off it's introductions we need to introduce we have four people <clears throat> on the show today uh, philip overby which is pretty cool because it's the first time we've had actually had four people on at the same time so we're setting records here today but uh actually next week we plan on having five i don't know what fucking insanity that is yeah. but
1: uh. and then and then next week we'll have 20 <laughs> right. so it's,
0: it's gonna be fucking chaos uh it's the chaos tidings podcast but uh, well let's let's give it a damn thing let's introduce some people so first off we have our reviewer slash blogger slash cool article writer laura m hughes go ahead and introduce yourself give us your name your age your location and just a little bit about your blog experience is
2: uh, okay uh, i'm laura m hughes uh, like you said but the m doesn't actually stand for anything really um i'm oh age uh oh. 28 um, and i'm from manchester in the uk Um i've been blogging since 2013 using the um the half strung heart handle thing um, i self-published my own book in 2015 and um, last year i started writing for tor.com and fantasy faction um, i joined spiffbo um as we're calling it um, as part of the fantasy faction team last year, um, Jeff Matthews had asked for someone to step in, and I just thought, why the fuck not? <laughs> um, and it was actually one of the best decisions I've ever made uh, in my life. I met these weirdos for them.
0: <laughs> Thank you for coming on the show today. And that book is called?
2: Oh, uh, Dance Macabre.
0: Dance Macabre, and that's available on Amazon right now, too, for listeners who want to check out. Your book, uh, Laura, I've heard very good things about it. People seem to dig it. So uh, we'll put the link to that book as well in the show notes for people to check out. But thank you for joining us on the show uh, from Manchester. You have a lovely accent, by the way, uh, much, much better than mine. Mine is just stuffy and awful. How
1: about my accent, Your, Ron?
3: Yours is wonderful, Philip. Like How about mine?
2: <laughs> that is an amazing accent. <laughs>
3: that's, that's the Japanese accent. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I picked it up since I've been here. <laughs> <having it. laughs> and next
0: guest we have on here is the number one winner of the contest. He picked up the top spot of Spiffbo 2016. Jonathan French, go ahead and introduce yourself.
4: Hey, hey, um, I'm Jonathan French. Thanks for having me on. Um, let's see, I'm 36. I currently live in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, yeah, as you said, I've been I've been uh, lucky enough to have uh, placed first in this awesome contest and my book. Uh, the Gray Bastards uh, took, uh, took the top spot, uh, and now everyone can be super frustrated because they can try to go get it and fail because <laughs> <laughs> um, it, uh, it is no longer available for sale because it got picked up by uh, big, famous people in New York who now told me, you have to take it down, and yeah, so it'll come back in 2018, but um, for the most part, the people who have it are lucky enough to have it, and the people who don't have it, I hope you'll buy it in 2018 when it gets released by Crown Publishing.
0: That's pretty sweet to pick up a publishing deal off the. Do you think it was the Spiffbo twenty sixteen that kind of put that in there, or is it just a solid book and you've been shopping it around?
4: Um, it, it was the contest, but not the win. Um, okay. I, I I was I got contacted about halfway through the top ten. So we we some of us had about half our scores in the top ten when I got first contacted, but then it took months and months and months. So. Got it.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Uh, well, thanks again for coming on the show today, uh, Jonathan. And the next guest is uh, Phil Tucker. Please introduce yourself.
5: Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm Phil Tucker. Uh, also, 36 seems to be a good number to enter the contest with. Maybe uh, I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote um, the Path of Flames, and I, I was lucky enough to be second, which was completely unexpected but really awesome. I've been writing fantasy of one kind or another since, like, uh, like seriously trying to get it out there since about 2011. So I feel like I've been. Uh, trying to do this indie thing for a while now and it's really really great to finally be connecting with people and getting my books and and, uh, making it happen so yeah really excited to be here
0: Excellent. Yeah, your book, The Path of Flames, picked up the second place spot just beat out by the Grey Bastards. Um, but thank you very much, Phil, for joining us on the show today. For future disambiguation, we will call Phil Tucker Phil and Philip Overby Bastard. So that will clarify <laughs> just exactly what
1: but we're that, talking about. And then Grey Bastard is one of the books, Rob. You're fucking it up. Yeah, people are going to be really confused because <laughs> you're going to say bastard. Oh, that's gray right. Gray okay. Bastard. Fine. You can just be
0: Philip, I guess. That'll that'll work. Okay. And then, rounding out the pack, last and certainly not least, we have author Dirk Ashton. Dirk, please introduce
3: yourself. I'm Dirk Ashton, and um, yeah, I uh, it's it's kind of funny. I think I'm the newest in the group as far as the publishing paternus was my first book, um, and I and I know Jonathan and Phil have been writing for a while, but I also happen to be like old enough to be most of your fathers. I think. Well, maybe not. Maybe not Phil. Uh, or uh, or jonathan but uh, i'm actually 54 but I, I wrote for a lot of years screenwriting and uh, worked in the film business so something i always wanted to do but uh but uh, just got just got a chance to do it recently in the last few years so it's very exciting and you picked up
0: the third place spot in Spiffbo 2016 with your book paternis um so we have the top three and then uh laura from fantasy faction here so we're just going to talk a little bit about um, each of these books we're going to talk about self-publishing as well we talk about that frequently here on the grim tidings podcast talk a little bit about blogs and everybody be sure to check out the show notes we'll have links to everybody's books and websites and you can uh, connect with these folks on social media and uh, pick up their books and read them uh, they're really really good and uh, yeah thanks again for everybody for coming up uh, to do the show today so we'll start off with the icebreaker question. This is the way to kind of get the sillies out and uh, start this some bitch off. So we have a uh, a question for each of you to answer. We'll just kind of go in order like we just did. But uh, the icebreaker question is: If you could be any mythical creature, what would it be? And Laura will throw it to you. What mythical creature would you be if you could be? If you could just snap your fingers and become one, what would you be?
2: Um, I don't know. Maybe like um, a sphinx or oh. something. Because they well don't they just kind of just get to sort of lie around until like <laughs> just just like just thinking up like pointless riddles and stuff, which is sort of like what I do in my spare time. And yeah, yeah. you just sort of just lie around there, just muttering to yourself a little bit, waiting for <laughs> random people to turn up. Um, and aren't they like in the deserts and stuff as well, or is that just that that Egyptian thing? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Just, cool. See, you, you've made a mistake putting me first in all these <laughs> questions, you know. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not a tough act to follow. <laughs> no, that's go good. Go on, Jonathan. That's go on, sweet. go on to Jonathan. Jonathan, no. what,
0: what mythical creature would you be if you could be one?
4: Seder because
2: constant uh, that's what erection. Going
5: for. <laughs> constant <laughs>
4: erection, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, oh, I, I know. get to run around on goat feet with a big old boner and just <laughs> I mean, that just sounds awesome to me. Um, be tanker. well hopefully not floppy (laughs) 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 and uh I think that would make me the worst satyr ever (laughs) oh there's Limpidus over there he just he can't get it going on Uh, and I hear they're constantly drunk um so you know I don't know Uh, sounds nice could be a satyr with erectile dysfunction
0: oh yeah (laughs) good (laughs) This thing went off the rails really quick. All right, we'll just keep this some bitch going. Uh, Phil <laughs> Phil Tucker, if you could be any mythical creature, what would you be?
5: I was gonna go for Seder too because that sounds perfect. Right. But uh, since that's already been taken, I'll go for um. There's this Sumerian god called uh, Nin Saba, who's all all that he does is he's the god of beer. <laughs> Sweet. Um, that's his entire person. So uh, I think given that, uh, just take it one step higher and just go for that.
2: <laughs> did you say that he's the god of deer yeah
5: <laughs> beer ale they, they, had, they had this crazy beer back then which was almost like a, like a porridge and you had to drink it through a filtered straw because they didn't do it like we do today so I think they had a god a god in charge to make sure that no one actually died drinking it
0: hmm. <laughs> delicious
5: that's what I'd go alright
0: cool and then um Dirk Ashton, <clears throat> if you could be a mythical creature, what would you be?
3: you have to be a creature or just anything from myth? Uh, anything. Any, let's go crazy. I want to be Odin. Okay. Nice. I want to, like, lose my eye and know the future and have a really awesome spear and get eaten by a big dog.
2: Would you not rather be Odin's horse? Sleepnir? Um, yeah, that's the one. Sleepnir
3: sleep is pretty awesome. But, uh, no, either, you know, either that or I want to be Jonathan French. I
4: don't believe that. <laughs> because believe me his greatness is mythical
3: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <laughs> see jonathan already went in the territory i was going to go in rob can edit this out if he wants to right. but my question was which mythical creature would you have sex with <laughs> and he said we couldn't <laughs> do that that's
3: one. much more interesting
1: <laughs> so if you want to make an addendum quickly
3: you and mine's in. still
4: Jonathan <laughs> <laughs> Frank. <laughs> oh man! Uh, oh. <laughs> well, hey, as long as it's Odin coming, you know. As <laughs> right. Odin, yes. I, I
3: would.
4: I would turn the. I would turn. Uh, turn teams for Odin. I think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, well there you go. Ice, ice broken. <sighs> Philip, Philip
0: Fulverby. What mythical creature would you would you be if you had to be a? mythical creature well it wouldn't
1: be a unicorn because you fucked that up for right. me
2: <laughs> um, i think he's fucked that up for all of yep.
1: us <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh i'd probably be a kappa because i'm really i'm really into their mythology and since living in japan um the way you get rid of them is um you give them a cucumber <laughs> I, think it'd be, I think it'd be nice people just give me cucumbers because they're healthy
0: Excellent. Well, now that we know everybody's uh, deep and in, inane desires to be mythical creatures, we will switch over to the first topic. And what I wanted to do, first of all, is just kind of talk about each of your books. So we'll start off with, uh, with then, uh, Jonathan French on this one. Jonathan, if you could give us a, a little pitch for the Grey Bastards and why you think our listeners would want to check that out.
4: Uh, yeah, sure. So um, easiest the easiest way to describe the Grey Bastards is Sons of Anarchy with Half-Orcs. Um, that is... That is basically it. Um, Since it's hit the review um, cycle, especially with the Spiffbo reviewers, apparently I wrote the filthiest book ever. Um, (laughs) I I don't know. I didn't think that that was possible, but apparently I'm just the most vulgar writer of all time. Um, So that'll either appeal to readers or not. But again, um, I can't really sell it too hard right now because you know if you're just you're just going to be disappointed because if you haven't (laughs) read it, all you fucking bandwagon hoppers are (laughs) shit out of luck. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's it's, uh, you're going to have to wait till 2018. So it's you either find a used copy um, in paperback or you pirate it somehow. It's 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 a weird timing thing because it's like yay at one it's getting all this you know fun attention and press and my inbox is being flooded with people just saying, well, why can't I get it? Where is it at? Not on Kindle, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just going, you know what? You should have been cool at the start. <laughs> so um, I don't know. It, you know, it'll, it'll come back. Um, so in the meantime, I have two other books, you know, I'll maybe read those. Cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you want, you
4: know, that's the eh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then we'll go on to uh, Phil Tucker. Go ahead and uh, give us a little uh, elevator pitch for uh, your book, The Path of Flames, and maybe why our listeners will want to read that title.
5: All right. I'll do my best. Um, it's kind of one of those big, sprawling uh, Game of Thrones epics with multiple point of views. So it's a little hard to narrow it down to just two sentences. But uh, think Game of Thrones with a lot of high fantasy thrown in, um, in terms of like floating islands and portals and demon armies and so forth. And it follows... The adventures of a former slave turned squire who has come back to his uh, home to serve the widow of his former lord. Just as everything in the empire is going to hell. Um, and quickly escalates beyond that as they're thrust into all sorts of trouble. And he's forced to examine his own loyalties and, and what he believes in and whether or not he actually wants to save the empire or join in sort of tearing it apart.
0: And what's the name of the series and how many books do you have in that series so far?
5: It's called the uh, Chronicles of the Black Gate. And I am working on the last one right now, which would be the fifth book. So all of them will be out. it will be a finished series probably by July. Okay, cool.
4: Nice. All right.
0: And then Dirk Ashen, go ahead and tell us a little bit about uh, Paternus, please.
3: Um, it's crap. Don't read it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, it, is.
3: it is. It's, it's true. Um, Actually, that I used that pitch um, when somebody posted something again. I think I think we were able to do that on Fantasy Faction on the Facebook site, and I think I sold more books that day than the other day. <laughs> even even when it was announced that it took third in the in, in the SPFBO, um, <laughs> it's uh, it's different uh, in that it's uh, contemporary fantasy. I'm terrible at these pitches, um, meaning it's 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 kind of urban fantasy. It takes place today. Um, it's not epic. Um, there is swords and a little bit of sorcery, but, uh, gods and monsters of myth in present day society. Um, they've always been around and they've come back to finish a war that's been going on since basically the beginning of time. So kind of like that, I guess
4: <laughs> it's, it's American gods meets Buffy, the vampire slayer in the best possible way. Hey, awesome. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I hope you dig that, but I mean that's, I do you dig know, that.
3: I it, do dig that.
4: If you're if you're looking for a way to just pithily pitch it, I, that's what I would go with. Um, okay. Having read it, you know. Awesome.
3: Thanks,
0: man. Pithily, See, I need help. Pithily pitch. <laughs> it's pithy. And then Laura M. Hughes. Um, I presume that did you read each of these titles on the top three here?
2: Um, I haven't read um, Phil's, um, but Jeff read that one. Um, But I have read uh, Grey Bastards and uh, Paternus, because Paternus was our finalist. Great. And what
0: what do you think it was (laughs) about the the two books, that at least that you read, that kind of stand out uh, from the pack of these self-published novels? What do you think it is that set these books over from the other 300 authors that they beat out?
2: Um, Well, they both stood out for um, totally different reasons. Um, I mean, I know other people have said that phil stood out because it was an example of sort of classic epic fantasy tropes done right um but one of the reasons we like dirt so much is because it was it was sort of a bit edgier he was taking risks with it um so the way it's like the the point of view and uh, the characters the the shifting about um it's a little bit sort of like oh i'm not sure i like this and then you realize that you kind of can't put it down um, and that was where we, we chose him over our, our semi-finalist and yeah I mean the Grey Bastards it's just just looking at that cover I knew are was going to like it um, but it, it also opens up the very first scene um, is our characters the half-orcs coming out of a brothel and like there's naked half-orcs with crossbows at a brothel like <laughs> shouting insults at each other and swearing and it's just oh it's amazing <laughs> but yeah you, you don't see that every day <laughs> Well, I don't. I don't know about Philip.
1: <laughs> I see a lot of uh, Naked half works actually. Um, not with crossbows.
2: No, but, no.
1: But in general. On to the next question, as far as self-publishing goes. Uh, we all know self-publishing has a stigma attached to it still these days, even though we've kind of worked past it to a certain degree. But how has being a participant in Spiffbo changed your perspective on self-publishing as a whole? Do you think of it more positively or has it not changed your feeling? Or do you feel like it's a jumping, more of a jumping off point to bigger, bigger things? Or how do you feel about it now that you've been a participant? Uh, let's start with Philip Tucker first.
5: I think the the best thing about the contest for me was how I got to meet like so many really cool people. Writing is like a really solitary business. And especially one of the things about self-publishing is that, you know, you have to prove yourself all the time. So it can be even more solitary because you don't have that sort of general automatic approbation that comes with having about a trad deal. So I think the best part about the whole contest was meeting all these people, making this community, like finally understanding what Twitter's for, because before I would sort of log in and, and say, oh, all these conversations going on, but I don't really have anything to connect with. But now I've got... You know all these sort of really amazing people that I can share my enthusiasm with and we've gone through the contest and after a year of being in the trenches you know you feel like you know you got a lot in common and it's been the best part um sailed and all that stuff is nice but I think long term making a whole bunch of really great friends is what I got um out of the contest
1: okay and then uh Jonathan how do you feel do you feel kind of the same same way as Phil Tucker does, or well,
4: you know, as far as as far as the change in self publishing, like you asked, um, you know, I've I've never been anything but a self published guy, and I mean, I started off in the traditional world originally. I, I I had an agent, but it didn't go anywhere. Um, and I used to go to these. You know, my wife was in the business, so we used to go to these, like, parties and stuff in Chicago. And at one point, I heard somebody say – I was literally just passing by, and in one of these shindigs, I heard somebody say, you know, at some point, you just have to realize that writing is a team sport. And I was like, oh, that's horrible. I fucking hate sports. <laughs> um, so, you know – it it just sort of made me shudder. And I asked my wife, I said, Are you gonna divorce me if I self-publish? <laughs> and you know, she said, No, do what you gotta do if you that's the way you feel is right. So I sort of that just it just fit my personality. And you're right, the stigmas are, are there. Um, they've gotten a lot better just in the five years that I've been doing this. But um, no, I've always been self-published and proud and I was really shocked um when Spiffbo, when I found out about it, actually through the Facebook group, your your guys, Grimdark Readers and Writers Facebook group. Um and I kept waiting for something to disqualify me. I kept looking at the guidelines and it was kind of ridiculously simple. And I, and I thought, wow, you know, I, I actually qualify for this. So I entered Bastards in with no expectations. But um, I think what's happened to me is I saw that I've kind of been, you know, this sort of kind of big fish in this little pond, like every con I would go to. I was the 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 guy who sold the most, who had the best covers, who sort of, and Spiffbow made me realize it's like, there are other guys out there and other gals out there who are taking this just as seriously and spending just as much time and effort and money and i really saw kind of the cream of the crop of this genre uh, i guess fantasy fiction among self-published authors and as philip just said being a part of that was really great Um, but now that you know i'm on the other side and starting to uh, transition now with at least this one book over into the traditional world i'm also starting to see where I was wrong because I used to sort of rage against the gatekeepers and say all this shit in panels like, Oh, these (laughs) obsolete, you know, they don't know what they're doing. And, and now I'm realizing that the best people, the most professional people, no matter where they come from, they don't treat you any differently. None of the people I've dealt with um, have given a shit, have said anything bad about me being a self published guy. And so it's, it's making me realize that all of those people who still hold on to that stigma, it's just a bias. And like any bias, it's kind of baseless, um and you know so i think in the end i'm really happy to be learning both sides of it and coming from proudly from the self published side and now opening my mind and, and learning and being an apprentice the other way so if anything it it made me a better self published author by actually making me a traditionally published author i think if that makes any sense interesting
1: yeah i think uh one thing i noticed about spiffbo that caught my eye was was how professional everything looked and i think the general feeling is uh, people see that what comes to mind with self-publishing is, uh, you know, trashy cover, or, you know, made something in Microsoft Paint or something and then <laughs> splash some shit on it or whatever. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of my way of doing it. But uh, all of all of you, all of you guys have really professional looking covers. You're you're you know, everything's edited and <laughs> doesn't have shitloads of mistakes in it uh so i think this contest for me anyway uh highlighted maybe some of my personal biases and made me think different uh, a little bit more differently about self-publishing especially in the fantasy realm because it seems like a lot of what people talk about are the big name fantasy people and we we don't we don't hear a lot from the self-published people in the fantasy realm anyway so i think it's this is really a cool thing for self-publishers and i'm really looking forward to see where it goes from here so let's go to laura from the perspective of someone who was a judge what would you say uh, has this changed your feeling about self-publishing at all or do you kind of feel the same
2: oh no absolutely um i've i've sort of rambled about this before in blog posts but um i know like about three people in the world read those um <laughs> but honestly i was such a snob before even though I'd self-published my own book, mm. I was still kind of like, mm, you know, you know, almost ashamed of it. Um, and again, that's because my experience had been the the, the trashy covers with, um, as you say, shit splashed all over <laughs> <him>. um, <laughs> full of mistakes, like, you know, etc. cetera. Um, and even when I signed up for the blog off, I was, I was doing it to help out. And I was like, oh, this could be interesting. And then, you know, some of the ones I read, I was just like, wow, I really need to step up my game. Um so I did a proper sort of Theresa May style U-turn. Um and yeah, like like Phil said, it's it's made me question my own what I could be doing better. Like, you know, reading all the samples and stuff. It's it's a lesson in itself in like what makes a good introduction and it's yeah, honestly, I'm like I'm a convert.
0: And the cool thing about Spiffbo 2016 too is it kinda highlighted kind of the cream of the crop as far as fantasy self-publishing goes and you three uh, top winners definitely kind of set the bar with your cover art and everything that you have going on. It's very professional. looks like any other book that you would find in a bookstore or anything like that. So I think for anybody listening to the show today and they have apprehensions about buying self-published books or reading self-published authors, these folks are doing the best shit that's out there as voted by, you know, tons and tons of the top fantasy bloggers out there. These are the people who read all the fantasy that's coming out. Out and saying, this is really good shit. And I think everybody listening today should give everybody a try uh, for sure. And then, uh, Dirk, rounding out the pack, how do you think the Spiffbo contest has changed your perspective on self-publishing?
4: You
3: know, I, for a lot of years, all we heard was it's vanity publishing. You only go there if you can't get a deal. Um, there's nothing, you know, it's like, you know, crappy covers, but mostly just bad writing, you know, because anybody can do it. Now, unfortunately, I still believe that the majority of self-published stuff is like that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there is a lot of garbage out there, but there is amazing stuff out there, as as good um, or fresher than anything that I've that I've seen um, uh, come from trad publishers. And um, I've seen some bad covers and some, you know, a lot of mistakes coming out of uh, you know big big five publishers recently. Um, and, but I had never really read any self-published. This is just what I thought. Um, and I did it because, you know, I worked in the film business for a lot of years and I played the agent game. And I know it's very, very similar. Film and TV is very, very similar to publishing, traditional publishing. Plus I had a lot of friends that were in that are published writers. And so I knew the game and just decided I didn't want to, didn't want to play it, you know, and being a little older, I, I'm not like, you know, eager to become like a professional. Um, author that has to meet all these deadlines and please a bunch of other people, but then I find out, you know, now my my ideas about tri- uh, traditional publishing are changing too. You know, stories like uh, Jonathan's and, and Josiah's, you know, they're all good. They're all good, um, good stories, and uh, you know, it, it definitely has, and and also, you know, I two, three, three, four years ago, they said, you're blacklisted. You'll never be able to get a traditional publishing deal if you self-publish. And that has changed incredibly quickly. So that should, I mean, at least, I mean, if nothing else, the fact that, that big agents and big publishers and big editors are paying attention, like, like actively, not just looking, but actively paying attention and even recruiting uh, out of self-publishing ranks should uh, make everybody rethink, you know, what you know, the quality of stuff that's being self-published.
0: And, you know, as we talk more about self-publishing too, I think the next topic I wanted to bring up is just kind of why in general, each of you decided to take the self-publishing route when you got started. Because I think it's a very important decision to make. Like you just mentioned, Dirk, that, you know, it can have career impacting ramifications if you decide to self-publish and then you drive your name into the ground by writing and producing shitty fiction. Um, I think you can get blacklisted at at some point for just – producing terrible fiction um, and not having a professional approach to your self-publishing. So I think, I think the next topic we'll just talk about, in general, why did you decide to self-publish and what made you uh, make that decision versus traditional publishing as the alternative? So we can start with Dirk on this question here. Sir, why did you decide to self-publish Paternus and what made you decide to go
3: that route? You know, it, it wasn't my immediate and first um, first idea. I knew it was an option. But what I actually did a whole ton of research, I had like columns, pros and cons. And, you know, I'm an incredible nerd with my tables and and uh, and 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 statistics, even though I'm terrible at math. So I actually compared them and I actually talked to traditional published authors and I read a whole bunch of articles. Um, And I was and like I said, I I, I've had agents. um, I used to write screenplays. Um, I've had my stuff read and, you know, I've done critiques and gone through readers and, and uh, I know how pretty much how the publishing business works um, because of, because of, you know, friends of mine who were in it plus working in the film business. So I just decided. I wasn't going to go that query route anymore. I just didn't want to deal with that. I would just get good readers um, and have people I trust take a look at it and see what they thought. And so I was leaning, you know, pretty strongly towards self-publishing. Then, um, but then a good, uh, a very good old friend of mine who's published some comic, actually some pretty nicely acclaimed comic books, and uh, makes short films. He's um, an actor, but uh, he uh, he told me don't don't publish. He said, self-publish. He goes, for one thing, it's weird. There are things that you do that, a, that an editor, I believe, won't won't let you get away with. They'll want you to change particular POV, tense, um, you know, uh, build up, uh, that sort of thing, <laughs> uh, info dumps. Um, that kind of stuff that, that, that they won't allow, which always cracks me up because Jeff, Jeff rails against info dumps. And yet he voted for Paternus to be (laughs) fantasy faction pick. So I love to, I love to, I love to rib him about that. And so I just said, okay, screw it. I, you know, I, being in the film business, I was a producer. So, uh, uh, promotion, production, um, breaks down scheduling, marketing, all that stuff is kind of second nature. So, I mean, it's difficult and as much work as as uh, production and marketing and and advertising is with uh, with with self publishing compared to pulling together crews and scheduling and budgeting for films um it's really pretty simple so i uh, uh, I I figured, what the hell? Why not go for it? See how it goes. But I was completely shocked, yo, know, that when I that I I was sure Paternus, because of all the weirdness, was never going to make it even close to through the first round. So, completely shocked that it made it through Fantasy Faction. I was just incredibly lucky to be with folks who like something different and something something like that. And um, that uh, in any other group, I probably would not have made it. Um, other than fantasy factions even though they had three readers and then to get third just just amazes me because i'm still amazed people are reading it at all let alone liking it <laughs> and then
0: uh jonathan french uh what, what prompted you to uh take the uh, self-publishing route when you first started and what year did you start self-publishing uh 2012
4: okay um so yeah i mean i i didn't finish my first book till 2010 and like i already said i sort of i sort my instinct was to to self-publish that was just what My personality, I felt like I had this whole, you know, I want to have control. And I I, like Dirk, I didn't like the query process at all. And I played with it and I just knew I just wasn't very good at it. I kept having all this analysis paralysis where I was just looking at what I had written for these query letters and, and then just not sending stuff. And anyway, so at the end of the day, I kind of wanted to self publish and then didn't, I kind of second guessed it. And then just like Dirk said, I had a good friend um, who the book is dedicated to um, who I trust implicitly, who came from the punk music scene and was very much um, a proponent of just doing your own thing. And um, he just said, look, man, I think, I think it's who you are. I think it's you're into frontiers and I think you need to go for it. So, after about two years of just sort of dicking around, I finally pulled the trigger. I think it, it really is. I thought that then, and I think this now, um, I think it's really about personality. I don't think there's any one right or wrong way. I mean, when you hear stories... On, horror stories on both sides and i think that they exist for a reason but a lot of them are, are just crap they a lot of this stuff's gotten blown out of proportion um yes you hear horror stories about people getting traditionally published and then treated like indentured servants i'm not saying that doesn't happen and then you hear horror stories about self-published authors being treated like lepers and i'm not saying that doesn't happen but at the same time i think that i think that your personality is what should determine what you do because there's so many options now you really should just look at what your strengths and what your weaknesses are and where those plug in i mean let's let's kind of face it, right? I mean, uh, I don't think um, J.D. Salinger ever would have self-published. That just wasn't who he was. And even if it had been available outside of a vanity press, you know, that's just not that, that's not that brain. Um, And so, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think you should worry about what other people think or what, you ought to look look inward as what, who are you as a writer? And, And like Dirk said, what are your strengths? He knew where he came from and then play to those. And ultimately, if you just give it some gumption and you keep going with that, then it'll, odds are you will get somewhere. Um, Maybe not where you wanted to be, but, you know, I wanted, you know, look, not to kind of brag, but I told, when I wrote Gray Bastards, I told my wife, I said, this is the one that they're going to come to me for this. And I looked right at her and said, I said, they're going to come to me. And I don't know if it's just because I believed it, that it happened, but you know, it did happen. So, you know, just have a plan and, and, and go and go for that, you know, have an attack plan and go for that and don't let up.
0: Good plan. And then, uh, Phil Tucker, what made you decide to uh, pursue uh, self-publishing when you started a few years ago?
5: Yeah, I agree a lot with what both Dirk and Jonathan have already said. I think they've nailed a lot of the most important parts, but at the time I was actually working at Penguin, um, USA before it merged with Random House. Um, I'd gone undercover to learn about the industry and I was working in their IT department. And I spent a year there just talking to editors and going to their marketing meetings and just really trying to understand the inside of the trad business. And I was actively querying and trying to get my books in front of editors. But what I kind of saw at that point already in 2009, 2010, that the digital shift was taking place and the big trad uh, houses were having a lot of trouble uh, pivoting. And they were having to, you know, having all these crises and I was seeing... New authors getting very small advances, usually, and not much of a marketing budget, if any. And and it got to the point where I was just like, you know what, Like I'm banging my head against this wall trying to get anyone to look at these books I'm writing. And then what happens if I actually get in? From what I've seen, um, it's kind of a crapshoot. You may get someone who's really passionate about your work and will drum up a big budget, but most of those marketing budgets are going to Stephen King and people like him. So... I kind of knew that I'd end up having to do most of the marketing myself anyway, so I, I guess out of impatience, I, I jumped into self-publishing and I didn't know anything and I, I wasted a lot of time sort of flailing around trying to figure it out. Um, but it's really worked for me because I publish about once every two or three months, and that's just not going to work for a big five house. Um, I think Jonathan can attest that you know things slow down once you insert yourself into that workflow, and so. Uh, wanting to get my books out there uh, as I write them, when they're done, um, enjoying the marketing aspect of it. Uh, I, I love being working with my cover artist and you know brainstorming what the look's going to be and whether or not the covers end up working. They're covers that I love and I'm proud of, as opposed to you know having your fingers crossed that the trad house is going to give you something that you like. So I actually really thrive on being involved in all the different facets of self-publishing and beyond that, at this stage in the game. When it came to publishing um Path of Flames, I feel like I've kind of now been in it long enough that I've got a lot of the elements figured out. And I'm writing full time, I'm supporting my family, uh, off of my writing. Um we have two kids and we're lucky enough that my wife can actually stay home to be with them full time. I'm here at home, uh writing and being part of the family all the time. And I don't I honestly don't think if I had gotten a trad deal back in two thousand eleven, I don't I mean you know, you can always get incredibly lucky. The odds were against me being where I am now today, if I had gone that route. Um, So I would absolutely uh, agree with Jonathan that everybody has a different path for them. Some people really want to focus on the writing and they don't want to wear all the marketing hats and the business hats and all that stuff. And some other people like Dirk and and myself, I think, you know, really, really love being that involved and, and, and being completely in control. So I think the other guys said it perfectly, and at this stage in the game, I, I don't think I would change it up for myself either.
0: Yeah, it's pretty great that you're writing full time, Dirk or Jonathan. Do you guys are you guys full time writers? Do you guys got a, a day gig going
4: as well? Go ahead, Jonathan. Um, I've been writing full time since 2014, but my wife still works. So you know, I, the the plan was always to be Philip Tucker. And I don't mean that to be funny. What he just described, <laughs> what he just
5: described. was That's a great plan. plan, by the way. <laughs> right. But I mean,
4: his description of that, like doing everything yourself and just and producing, you know, publishing quickly and, and getting it all out and, and then still being able to pay for everything and being the sole breadwinner. That was the plan. I didn't hit that because, quite frankly, my weaknesses just shown through. I, I couldn't, you know, necessarily. I was doing OK, but, you know, my wife is still working. And so, you know, at the end of the day, you have to do what makes sense for you, um, so, yeah, I was able to sort of s- to have like a, a, a supplemental income for my wife's job and, and sort of be kind of the stay at home parent. And then on that, this ha- has happened with me and I got this pretty good trad deal. Um, you know, it, it just we had to really sit down and evaluate. and it was like, OK, you know, this is this is better than what I was able to do on my own. Um, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I've, I've messed with it just writing for about three years.
3: Excellent. And Dirk? Uh, I actually have a gig. Um, I work. I teach. And uh, so this has been something I've had to do on the side. And now I work i work on it every day. Paternus is just the first of, of three. And that'll be a trilogy. And I'm working on those every day. And, it, you know, it'd be nice if I could support myself with the writing sometime down the road. But I'm so incredibly slow. Um, Phil amazes me. I mean, he can pump out really good stuff very quickly. Um, I'm the complete opposite. I my my garbage takes me years. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm hoping to get the second book out the end of this year and then the third uh, summer of next year. So uh, no, yeah, it's not uh, not my full time gig.
0: And Laura, I wanted you to round out uh, the, the end of the topic here. You self published uh, Dance Macabre as well. So you are taking self-publishing as an undertaking as well, being a reviewer and blogger and author and editor and proofreader, which we'll <laughs> mention at the end of the show um, as well. Um, tell us a little bit about why you decided to self-publish Dance Macabre, and do you plan on self-publishing more fiction in the future?
2: Um, well, mine was sort of a bit like, I didn't really know what to do with it. Um, it was the first thing that I'd ever really written Um you know that I that I'd finished, and that I was actually that I sort of thought was decent, like for human eyes, and <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> I'm
2: non, I'm non-human. Sorry, and like, mi- uh, and, and mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, basically, back then I didn't I didn't really know a lot of people um, in the community, or you know, just at all in life. Um, but um, I wanted to know if it was any good, really. I wanted feedback on it, and I'd, I'd not shown it to anyone like up until that point. Um, and I published it on a forum, uh, like as part of a short story competition. I think about three people read it, and they seemed, they, they voted for it. But then I was like, do you know what? I'm going to whack up a cover in Microsoft Paint. Honestly, the first cover was bad. The first cover was bad. And I just thought, I'll stick it on Amazon and then I'll make it free, um, and then I'll just I'll see if random people download it and see what they say. I I just I didn't want to make money, which is <laughs> which is like pretty good actually seeing as I haven't made any. But, uh, <laughs> Success. But yeah, yeah, yeah. but I I wanted feedback, and it took it took me about well it's been like what more than eighteen months now. It took about a year for the reviews to actually properly start coming in, but you know once they did. They've generally been positive, and it's it's sort of it's maybe think yeah, you know, I can actually do this. And um, so it, it was about like sort of getting my name out there and experimenting, really. Which again, I've, I'd if I'd have just sent it out to an agent or whatever, I might never have even heard anything back. So it's like, is they get any immediate response as well, which is it's helpful, I think. I don't know. I still I still kind of dream about the traditional publishing thing, but what I've seen from groups like. Um, like these guys, like um, like with Phil and Dirk and there's a few of the other contestants from the 2016 Spiff Bowl, Um like uh, Taya Greylock and uh, Timandra Whitecastle um, and Ben Paddy, uh, that's Benedict Patrick. And they've sort of got like a little community. Um, they've got a group and they all sort of like, they, they share the updates and they, they recommend um, editors and, and advice and cover artists and stuff like that. And it's sort of like, it's being part of a team whilst remaining independent, and I think the more I see of stuff like that, and the more I see the quality of the stuff that they're putting out, um, the more I'm kind of thinking, do you know what? You know, I, I'm, I might do this because I'm I feel like I, I love this little community, um, and yeah, I think I, I quite like to stay a part of it.
1: Yeah, th- I think as far as communities, that's so key for writers. You know, we've talked about how writing to solitary business and, you know, building communities is definitely a way to like get out your aggressions about whatever, or support each other or cry about something or compare your Amazon sales or whatever you want to do. Uh, my, I always like to go to my Amazon page and look at, uh, the green, there's a green, blue, and a red line. And I always yeah. like to look at them and they're like all straight across and I'm like, wow, I didn't get, I didn't sell any free or I didn't get any free ones. <laughs>
2: No. At least you've got, at least you've got like different lines. Mine's just, just the flat black line at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. And it, it's, it makes you feel a bit better when you, when you like say that. And everyone's like, if you say like, I had one sale this week and then somebody else is like, well, that's one more than I had. And it, it's like, yeah, solidarity. <laughs>
1: We've been talking a little bit about quality and quality and self publishing, but we still have a long way to go as far as competing with various things, uh, We're lucky to live in the age we live in now for for some reasons, but for other reasons, we have Netflix to compete against, (laughs) YouTube, uh, cat videos, Rob posting about stupid shit on Facebook.
3: (laughs) Um, Podcasts.
1: Podcasts to come on. (laughs) Fucking
3: Fucking (laughs) podcasts.
1: So what is the key to whittle down or get to the top of someone's to-be-read pile? Because that's a constant good problem to have i think oh my to be red pile is huge but i think i think it's a good problem but it's also can be negative because even there's all these awesome books not only self-published but traditionally published and in various genres because i know a lot of people read different genres widows what mm-hmm. sure what does. can what can what can writers do to get to the top of someone's to-be-read pile? Because I don't think the problem necessarily is their cover looks like shit or their book shit or whatever. I think the problem (laughs) is just competing against everything else, not only other writers, but everything under the sun. So Signal versus noise, yeah. So Jonathan, can we start with you as far as what do you think about getting Mm. to the top of a to-be-read pile? How can a writer... Compete with all the other kick-ass books and
4: every other thing out there. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll make this brief, and then really, I just I, I almost have to kick it over to Philip Tucker because um, uh-huh. he, wh- I mean, the thing is, for me, I, I did a lot of stuff that I thought was right. You know, I got a, I got Raymond Swanland, a major cover artist, who uh, he was he was the look I wanted. He was the number one guy on my list, and I didn't think I could get him, and I got him. And so, you know, okay, great awesome cover, check the box and then move on. But um, for self-published people, there's this sort of war of attrition. I feel like that, that, you know, you're constantly learning and you're constantly needing to innovate and you're wearing all these hats and, and you have to stay so consistent with what you do. And that was where I was not, not effective. And so at the end of the day, My answer is, you know, you can, you can try to have, you know, if success is preparedness meets opportunity, which sounds a bit cliche, but if that's true, then all I was, was prepared. And then I just, I happened to get an opportunity. I mean, you know, it's like you enter the contest and then you get lucky enough to win it. And, but even before you win it, the contest gets you some, gets your signal boosted past the noise and gets you noticed. So for me, it was like, you know, when, when the editor of the Martian sends you an email and wants to talk to you you don't say no to that. Right. Um, so it was kind of a no brainer, but as far as like the day-to-day effort and and what you do I mean, mine was sort of that dumb luck, meteoric, like boom. And, you know, and it's sort of, you know, Oh great. And, and in a year I'll, I might, I'll probably be like the Nickelback of fantasy writers. Right. It'll be like, you know, maybe everyone knows my name, but everyone fucking hates me. And they think I'm some kind of like cock rock writer. And, you know, so it's like, you know, I don't know. So at the end of the day, I think that To answer your question, I I really think the guys who know what they're doing in self-publishing, like like Philip Tucker, can tell you how to do that because he's clearly doing it. Okay, so Philip Tucker, (laughs) what is your perspective?
5: (laughs) Well, I guess first I I recommend anybody who wants to get a really good uh, sort of like resource on all this to go and check out Chris Fox's books on Amazon, his nonfiction self-publishing books. He's in, he's really successful and he's really transparent with what he's done and what's work. And, um, it's a, it's just like a one stop shop for everything you need to know right now, uh, and how to get, how to accomplish exactly that. But I think that the trick is to, it's not just any to be read pile. The trick is to figure out whose to be read pile you want to get to the top of and then position your book so that you are appealing directly to that specific reader. Um, so it's not just getting a great cover. It's making sure that your cover signals to the right readers that it's the kind of book they want to read. And the way to do that is go to the top 20 in your genre and look at those covers and be like, how can I get a cover like that so that a reader who's browsing will catch a cover and not just say pretty and move on, but say pretty and interesting, and then they'll click and they'll go through. Um, Then obviously you need to have all your fundamentals down, like your blurb. You need to go into Amazon and make sure that your look inside ends at a good cliffhanger, not just like in a random middle of a paragraph. And then you need to make sure that you're launching your books with like a strategy. Before I kind of went to this uh, site called Kindle Boards, they have a a forum called Writers Cafe that has tons of writers sharing all their wisdom. Before I found that place, I would sort of just like hurl my book out into the void and sort of like, you know, bon voyage and, and and then turn to the next book and forget about it. And they never sold a thing. But once you start learning about launch strategies and you start And you start understanding a little bit about how Amazon's algorithms work and the 30, 60, and 90-day cliffs in terms of how their algo will promote you. And you realize like uh, how, how you should stagger your promotions to make Amazon think that you're having like an organic upsurge in interest as opposed to like a sharp spike that drops it. You know, they don't take interest in. They'll think that it's just a one-off. Once you start adopting all these different strategies and implementing them, uh, things really start to come together. But I, I would say the fundamental thing is to... Really target your book at a specific audience, and 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 know what signals that audience is looking for. And if your book doesn't fall in like a specific genre, that's fine. But find a part of your book that does have a, a commercial or or a genre element to it. Highlight that part, and then the reader will like think it's you know that's what the book's about. Pick it up, read it, enjoy it for that, but also enjoy the rest of it. You don't have to write specifically to market and 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 really write into a genre to be successful. You just have to promote yourself in the right genre. Um, There's a ton of stuff that goes into it, and it can be really overwhelming at first, um, which is why you you, you shouldn't worry too much. I mean, the best marketing for a book is to write another book. Um, You can promote the hell and do everything you can think of for your first book, but you're never going to get more than a spike of interest. uh, Until you've got book two, book three, and book four out, You're never going to move a lot of copies because someone might read your book, love it, and then forget about you because there's nothing more to read. So you might actually want to wait on all your marketing efforts until you have two or three books out. So then once you do all that work, they read your book one, then they go read your book two, then they go read your book three. And suddenly you're actually getting a lot of uh, return on all that effort. But, yeah, it's it's actually uh, actually kind of fun and it's a challenge. and, And once you get into it and you meet the right community and you stay abreast of all these developments, it can actually start to feel pretty intuitive. But it's not for everybody. And if you are interested, again, I recommend Chris Fox's books because he's done an amazing job of sharing uh, all the right stuff.
3: Yeah,
1: Chris Fox actually came on our show. Yeah, he gave us a lot of good insight about stuff. And um, I, I think that's a huge thing for for writers in general is resources, uh, either blogs or videos or books or anything, or reading other books even. So, yeah, I just always think – I always have this guilt and, and I'm sure all of, you know, what I'm talking about. If your readers regularly is <laughs> <It's laughs> this guilt of like, Oh fuck, I've had this book on my Kindle for like six months and I haven't read it yet. And it's just like this constant assault of things you haven't done. I haven't watched my Netflix show or I haven't fucking read this book that I've had for years or, now my paper books are just sitting there, and I don't read those either. And it's just like this overwhelming, crushing feeling I have. Maybe it's just me. I don't
2: know. No, I, I get it too. That you feel like this sort of every time you glance at your Kindle, it's there. It's like staring at you accusingly. It's like like a cat that's waiting to be fed. <laughs> yep. It's like come on, come on, come on. What are you waiting for? <laughs>
3: Well, can
1: you, can you elaborate more as, you know, you obviously read a lot of stuff as a book blogger. Can, can you elaborate more on dealing with that pressure of uh, staying on top of your endless-to-be-read pile that never ends?
2: I think the main trick is to sort of sit back and realize uh, and sort of accept the fact that you're never going to be able to read them all. Because um, otherwise, it does just get overwhelming. Like, you'll sit there, like, like on your Kindle. You'll sit and scroll through all your books and you're just like, oh my God, <laughs> uh, well, I am, I've got hundreds on there. But I, I just, these days, I kind of just take it one book at a time. I just kind of think, right, which one do I really want to read next? And I'll read it. But I think what the guys are saying, what Phil was saying about putting yourself out there to an audience and making making your book work its way up somebody else's to be read pile, I think you can't, you can't overestimate the importance of social media. Um, in this day and age, because it works both ways as well. So I, it's probably easier to say what what bumps a book right off um, your be red pile. So if you see an author sort of like just casually engaging in like a political debate and like, you know, the, <laughs> being a proper dick. And <laughs> honestly, I'm not even kidding. There are That's authors. That's
3: happened. Yeah, me, yeah. Yep, <laughs> me too.
2: There are authors that, they like really big authors as well. And like I, I really liked him up until that point, and it's just like nope. I've um, um, I have unfollowed. I cannot deal with him because you you associate the book with the person. So in a way, the more you know about the person, the more it affects your judgment of the book. So if like if I'm on Twitter and I see somebody you know retweet a book and I think oh what's that? I'll have a look at the author. And um, I say let's have a look at this blog then. I'll click on the profile, and the entire feed is just self promotion. So just the same retweet every day like buy my book buy my book buy my book Um, (laughs) i will just be like no i will not look at at anything to do with you
3: i'd better stop doing that
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i'm talking to you
3: (laughs) i unfollowed you
1: months ago indirect
2: (laughs) (laughs) but do you know what i mean i mean you know like i mean self-promotion is fine but be creative about the way that you do it it's the people that don't they, they just sort of promote themselves in a vacuum and it sort of, it, it suggests that they're kind of unwilling or unable to connect with other people, um, which throws up all sorts of red flags because writing is about communicating. I mean, that's that's the whole point of it. Um, and you, like, if you can't be bothered to try and engage your Twitter followers beyond spamming them, um, then don't be surprised when you get nothing but silence.
1: Yeah, I think that's, uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a big... <laughs> That's a big reason for, I think a lot of people, they get, I guess you call it Twitter fatigue or what the fuck am I doing with my social media fatigue or whatever, <laughs> where they're just like.
3: That's a real thing. Uh,
1: <laughs> it, you're just constantly trying to find that connection and, and sometimes you don't find it and then you start to go, well, I guess I'll just spam my book then. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's like hot. this dead end or whatever no
2: it's it's that thing about the community again though it's like when if you like you know you've got to put in to get out so like i think i seem to be like i don't know people seem to like me for some reason but i think a lot of that is because i i spend a lot of time like reviewing other people's books and pushing other people's books on people um, and being like buy their book and i don't know it it seems to work and again it's like as when I want to say karma, but it's not karma. But you know, it's it's about it, the, the more people you engage with, and the more people you support, the more support you'll get in return because it'll it'll just happen. You know, like I think
3: I think I've actually seen that happen. I you know if I'm if I'm out there talking about you know Nick Eames, you know Kings of the Wild, or 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 even Laura's book, or or Phil or Jonathan, it's almost like I go and then I check. I, I'm selling more of my books by talking about other people's books. That's a real thing, I think. Mm-hmm.
4: It, it is, I think, when you're, anything you're doing that is genuine. I mean, I think Laura's right about karma in a way, but it's only, you're only going to get that back if you're not forcing it. And I think Dirk and Laura are both very good because they're being genuine. It's a legit thing that they're doing. It's not a, I mean, there's some strategy that they recognize, but it's not just a ploy. And, you know, I think that that's, I, no matter what you do, whether you're writing or, or whatever, I think just being that. Being real like that works. Um, you know, I have the problem where I'm not on it ever, and it's not that I don't want to engage. It's that I don't have social media on my phone. Um, I don't. I mean, like, I know Philip Tucker. I know you live in outside the Asheville area. I went to college up there, and I don't know how you ever get anything done because I would ever, I would be out hiking and like, you know, outdoors all the time, and I just try to stay away from it because I feel like I'm in, in front of screens all the time. But I recognize that it can be a detriment because you're not engaging and you're just sort of, you know, staying off. But so, yeah, there's hard. It's hard to find that balance. But if you can find it, um, yeah,
2: it's a good way of um, like you said before about um, personality. Like I think um, a lot of us started paying attention to Dirk last year because of his um, unique personality. Um <laughs> <laughs> a nice
4: it's way yeah. of <laughs> unique. <laughs> well, no, you. He was the cheerleader for our year of Spiffbo, at least as far as he I was, was concerned, and in the he best was. possible way. I mean, it was you—you yeah. it, it, you could just, you know, again. I mean, it, in in the Grey Bastards world, we would call this getting very backy. I'm getting a little backy, which <laughs> is, <just getting laughs> but um,
1: you know,
4: it's you know, you you just kind of couldn't help but like him, and then next thing you know, you realized you were in love with him, and then you didn't know how you felt about that. And realized <laughs> uh, you know, that
2: it was in your house. Yeah,
4: yeah, right. Um, but it, like he said, it worked for him, and it in that you know. I actually had this, no lie. I thought he, I had a conspiracy theory that he was going to, that he had already been tapped to win. I thought that like, it was an inside thing. (laughs) like, I swore, I was like, he's, he's already won it. And that's why he can be so friendly and cool.
3: (laughs) You know, I just, just, just to jump in, uh, getting on the top of TBR lists for me, they're like, it's almost like these two very distinct things. I think the only the, the number one reason anybody pays any attention to my book at all is because of the SPFBO. The number two is that uh, somehow, for some reason, I've gotten a, a community of, of fun people to joke with on these various, on Twitter and then on, in just a few uh, groups on Facebook. And that, you know, half the, t- I-, I swear, Almost every one of the reviews I see, and, and then I see these, these sales. My sales are very low, but they're, they're steady. So I've been incredibly lucky for an unknown debut author. Um, but I really believe that that's only because of the, the social media. Um, because I uh, on, the, on the Amazon algorithm side that Phil is, is brilliant with, and a lot of these people just know that stuff, I am like a total moron. And you know the book is actually, even though it's got a beautiful cover, um it's the wrong cover it's it, it looks ya right you know and 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 my the algorithms are like not working for me and you know all, uh, over on amazon so i really think that that 90 to 95% of of the reason people actually purchase and then actually read the book is just because of the social media stuff and and the fact that that the social media stuff is then backed up by the uh, by by the spfbo um, now hopefully I can change things over on Amazon and I'm working on that, but that'll be, that'll be other news, fun news coming up mm. hmm. but I'm, gonna, I'm working on a new cover. I'm doing a new cover. I'm going to completely reposition the book. It's a new cover that will actually be Laura knows this. It will actually be debuted on the, uh, fantasy faction
4: site. And it, it looks re- fucking great too, man. Just from what I've seen. Yeah, it does. Thanks. It does. Thanks. Well, no, I want to see it. Damn
3: it! Yeah. What the fuck? Well you, know, well, you
2: can't see it. You can never see it.
3: Especially in my life uh, have gotten to see a little sneak there, Rob. Well,
2: uh- <laughs> you're supposed
3: to say "fuck you." What do you mean? I'm not special?
0: Man, well, we are unfortunately out of time. I think we could keep kind of prattling on here for a couple of hours here, just uh, shooting the shit about publishing and whatnot. But unfortunately, we have to wrap this some bitch up so we're going to do a little close here and make sure that everybody's uh, contact information um gets given out so you can go to our show notes as well to get the links to everything but uh, uh we're going to wrap things up here and then uh we'll start off with um uh, you dirk if you could give your contact information and if you have any con appearances coming up soon
3: uh the book is paternis uh, first in the trilogy um i'm on twitter and instagram as undirk u-n-d-y-r-k Um, I, uh, and on Facebook is just Dirk Ashton or Paternus books. The only con for sure I have planned right now is I'm going to go to England to Bristol con in October, which I am thrilled about. (laughs) I'm going to get to meet so many of the people that I've, uh, gotten to meet through this, especially the SPFBO. But I was talking to Phil last night and, and, uh, we're thinking we really need to get uh spfbo folks from last year or maybe even this year to get together at dragon con there jonathan down in your neck of the woods this hey, year in
4: September. I, I can put everybody up y'all just come on down oh really <laughs> you got enough floor space i well if you, i mean my parents are awesome so yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> between between my house and theirs we'll make it happen
3: phil it sounds like we're all set nice
4: all right
0: Cool, and then uh, Phil Tucker, if you could give your contact info and any uh, con appearances you might have coming up.
5: Sure. So maybe maybe Dragon Con. Um, I'd love to go, but you know, having a, a newborn in the house um, that might be tricky. But I'll see what what leverage I can use to get out of the house and see if my wife will let me. Um, but other than that, no other con. I've actually never been to a con, so that'd be a, a really cool first. Hmm. Um, contact info would be just search for me on Amazon, I guess. Phil Tucker, uh, Path of Flames, um, or you can find me on Twitter at P W Tucker.
0: Very good. And then Jonathan French, where can folks find you online?
4: And do you have any con appearances coming up? Jonathan is my website. Um, Go ahead and search Gray Bastards on Amazon and then get pissed off. Um, <laughs> if you want. Uh, and uh, yeah, and I'm, I do, um, I, I was, I was the old school guy. I used to do a lot of cons. I've sort of dialed back, but um, there's one I always go to here in my hometown of Atlanta called Conjuration. Um, it's in November uh, 3rd through the 5th. It is mostly a Harry Potter con, but it is, um, it is still just magical fantasy fiction and, and just really good people. I'm um, one of the friendliest most down-to-earth cons I've ever done, and I will go as long as they have me. So, that is coming up, and um, you know, I would, you know, I've been to Dragon Con as a panelist, but I've never been an invited guest. Uh, so, hopefully, maybe that'll start happening soon, and uh, I'll definitely start leveraging what I can and see if I can't get some Spithbo people together because I think that would be an absolute blast. Let's do it for sure. And then, so the Gray Bastards is a 2018 release date then. It it is now. Yeah. Probably summer. We don't know for sure yet. Okay. And then the sequel will hit either six months or a year after they're, they're still, they still know what they want to do, like a really quick one, two, or if they want to, it's just going to matter if gray bastards goes to hardback or not. And that's still being discussed. Cool. So, um, yeah, but you know, just, you know, patience is a virtue, you know, people's attention span is short hopefully they'll just forget about it, and then like in a year they'll wake up and be like, oh yeah, that fucking thing so <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very cool, and congrats again on uh, getting that book deal, and uh, yeah, best of luck to you on on that, very cool shit and then Laura M. Hughes uh, let us know where we can uh, find out more about you online, and if you have any, th- any uh, con appearances, are you going to be at the Bristol Con there with uh, Dirk?
2: Uh, I am, yeah, and it'll be my first con um, I've never been to anything, really. I've been to a couple of also signings and that, but, um, yeah, I've never been to a major con, and I've never actually met, apart from uh, a couple of people at the Robin Hobb one the other week, I've I've never met anybody in person, like, from the whole online community. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that, um, even if Dirk is coming. <laughs> 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 uh, no, I love you, really. But um, I'm on Twitter as a uh, half-strung heart. Uh, I'm on Facebook too. And uh, my website is Lauramhues.com. I've just started up my own freelance editing, proofreading business. So, you know, if if you want me to like edit your shit, um, <laughs> that's where to go. Um, and yeah, I'm on Fantasy Faction too.
0: That's fantasy-faction.com.
2: That's right. the one, yeah. Okay.
0: And then you uh, you already have uh, glowing reviews from your copy editing proofreading services. Didn't uh, Teresa Frohawk have some good words to say about your skills there?
2: She did. Yeah. She mm-hmm. um I gave us some feedback on a, a proposal a few months ago. Um and she was she was, you know, she was more than happy to give me a reference, so I'm pretty chuffed about that.
0: It's cool. Yeah. Very cool. And then uh, folks can pick up uh, your uh, novelette, novella?
2: Novelette. Let's call it a novelette today. Novelette, Novel- novelini. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nav- uh,
2: yeah, that's that's just on Amazon
1: Very cool
0: Well, this has been a great panel Not not nearly as bad as a train wreck As I thought it might turn into With having so many people on board You all did fantastic um, Let me get my clothes
3: here clothes. <laughs> Yeah,
0: I'm oh,
4: not clothing my,
3: my clothes I know Dirk's not wearing pants But we
2: didn't know you did that
3: No, I never wear pants
0: <laughs> We knew that <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, thanks again to, uh, each of you for, uh, joining us here today. And thanks again to all the authors, the bloggers, and Papa Mark, Mark Lawrence, for helping make, uh, the SpiffBow a success. Um, and it's continuing on into 2017 and who knows for years in the future. So, um, listeners can drop by Mark Lawrence's blog again. That's marklawrence.buzz to keep track of the SpiffBow 2017. That's, uh, currently underway and you can also check out the Spiffbo 2016 highlights as well. We'll throw that in the show notes as well so you can see um, uh, the top 10 winners um, of Spiffbo 2016 and uh, yeah, lots of very cool shit coming up. So thanks again everybody for joining us here on today's uh, Grim Panel. Spiffbo 2016. Best of luck to each of you authors in your self-publishing and, and traditional publishing endeavors. Thanks again Laura for joining us as well uh, with all the cool reviews and blogs and cool stuff that you're doing. And Philip Overby, oh, Always a pleasure to have you on the show as well. Uh, you can check us yeah. out online at TheGrimTidingsPodcast.com on Twitter at GrimDarkFiction. You can check out our Facebook page as well. And as always, be sure to drop by our Facebook group, Grim Dark Fiction Readers and Writers. We just hit 3,300 members today, of which about... Woo-hoo! 300 of those are probably active but it's cool to have a few thousand people just sitting around shooting the shit talking about writing and really a lot of these people who are on the show today have engaged us at that group today and and on Twitter as well and it's cool to finally have everybody here together and talking and it's it's a very cool experience but uh, thanks again to everybody for joining us today thanks for listening to this episode of the Grim Tidings Podcast until next time stay grim, stay dark, stay true, read, self published authors rock on